Hello and welcome to the programme. Coming up this week, we'll hear from West Sligo native Christopher Tuffy, who has been named as the National Dairy Council's latest farm ambassador. Manor Hamilton Municipal District Councillor Park Fallon is calling for acres payments to be made in full. Head of Farm Support at IFAC, Philip O'Connor, checks in to dissect their latest report, while Francis MacDonald of Agriland Media Group stops by to run through their latest survey. Joined on the line by a man who this week has been named as the National Dairy Council's latest farm ambassador. He's a West, uh, native of West Sligo, uh, Christopher Tuffy. Christopher, you're welcome to the programme. Oh yeah, yeah and, uh, thanks for having me on, Ron. First of all, congratulations, Chris. You must be delighted to get the role. Yeah, look, I got the phone call there before Christmas asking me would I be uh, one of the... Um were them new ambassadors, and I was, I was absolutely thrilled to, uh, to you know, to represent the West of Ireland, being a, 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 and uh, represent the farmers of the West of Ireland. And Christopher, the role as farm ambassador for the National Dairy Council, what does that involve? Yeah, I suppose the, the main thing is, is, is being a face. So when people pick up a carton of milk or, or a tub of butter, with, with for us in, in the West of Ireland, it's the kind of gold label that they know that what the farmer is, uh, is behind that label and, and the people that's producing their food. And that maybe what farmers are saying in the media is actually real and it's true that we're producing high-quality products um, in Irish agriculture for, for the consumer of this country. And we are we're producing milk to the highest standard and we're also producing milk to the highest environmental standard. And we spoke previously after you were named the the FPD Young Farm of the Year in 2022. Um, I suppose for those listening in that mightn't have been listening at that time, would you like to give us, I suppose, a, a background of, of who you are and, you know, what's led you to this point? Yeah, I suppose, uh, yeah, it seems a long time ago since I won the Young Farm of the Year, but um, I, I, I was born and raised in Scrone on a 60-cow dairy herd, um, we were what we would call a split calving season. We used to calve half the cows in the autumn and half, or sorry, maybe 20 cows in the autumn and 40 in the spring and producing milk all year round. But the farm was never big enough for my father. And when I came home from college to, to, to sustain two incomes. So we we're lucky enough then back in 2011, a farm just outside Sligo Town uh, going towards Manor Hamilton came up for a lease and we took over the, the lease and we expanded our herd to 150 cows. Uh, now, it sounds a bit simple. It took, when I say it like that, it took six or seven years to get everything right. Once we came into the farm in 2012, we're 90 cows, and we we continuously expanded until we hit our peak cow numbers in 2015, and we've maintained that since. And now we're just striving to be as efficient as as and as profitable as we can. Well, that that's the key word there is efficient, and we hear a lot of farmers at the moment is, you know, I suppose how to be as as efficient and as I suppose sustainable as they can, and it's it's a challenge, it's an ongoing challenge on a daily basis for for farmers. Yeah, well, I, I suppose the, the one thing we're seeing, I suppose, there has been huge changes maybe in the last four or five years towards the environment uh, with, with environmental changes. So far, we've been able to handle a lot of the changes uh, quite well. We've switched to low emission slurry spreading, which which reduces the, the or greatly reduces the level of greenhouse gases. We've switched to protected urea which emits far less emissions too when we spread fertiliser. And I, and the big change that's coming now is we're starting to incorporate a lot of clover into our 
into our sward, which basically means we need less fertilizer to grow the same amount of grass. Um, you know, we, we're breeding more fish and cows, they're higher EBI cows. The, the EBI is an index which shows the profitability of a cow, but also that a cow with a higher EBI is also more is more carbon efficient. She goes in calf easier, she lasts longer, and she produces more kilos of milk solids from the same amount of feed. Um, so, so far, we've been able to meet all the criteria that has, or all the, the challenges that the environmental restrictions has, has brought. But I suppose that's so far, and if, if, if agriculture isn't hitting its emissions down the line, I suppose the big fears will have to reduce cow numbers, and, and that then will have a massive impact on our profitability if we do have to reduce um, stock numbers, considering we have done everything that's been asked of us so far, um, if, if you get me. And would you be encouraging anyone listening in to, to avail of the National Dairy Council and the supports that they provide? Yeah, absolutely. And look at even even your your own co-op. There's so many different um, there's so many different outlets there now. Uh, we supply a Revo, and they are obviously part of the national. All the co-ops are part of the National Dairy Council. There's so much help and so much information out there for farmers now to help them become more environmentally friendly. Um, Chagas have the signpost farm uh, program, and there's so much information there. And I, I'd encourage all farmers to engage with uh, all all environmental challenges coming up. Um, but I suppose the most important thing about all these environmental changes is they can't have a negative impact on family farm incomes. And so far, as I said, they haven't had. We've been able to meet them challenges and, and incorporate them into our day-to-day running of the farm. But the worry down the line would be that that. The next, if we don't meet our environmental challenges, that the restrictions they get more strict. So I'd be encouraging all farmers to, to try and engage and become more environmentally friendly. Calls have been made for the Department of Agriculture to make acres payments in full to farmers following the payment delays in December. Sinn Féin Councillor Park Fallon has requested that the Manor Hampton Municipal District writes to the Department and Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnellogue on the issue. A large number of farmers were adversely affected by the delay before Christmas. Speaking to AgriWeek's Donald Ryan, Councillor Fallon says it is simply not good enough. We, we put down a motion to municipal um, seeking, you know, that the full acres payment be made to farmers, you know, in recognition of the difficulties caused by the delay in payment of the advance in December. And you know, at this stage, I believe now that farmers should receive their full payment and not just the advance. Um, we know that this has put a number of farmers under financial pressures. Um, it will also impact farmers when it comes to accounting, the fact that they may get two acres payments uh, this year rather than one last year. And, you know, there's no doubt that the farmers are negatively impacted by such delays, and full payment is most definitely required. It certainly seems there's a big knock-on effect from a delay in payment, as you mentioned, a couple of factors there so people are still struggling to recover from the delay before Christmas well they are and I suppose you know you know many farmers will have will have contractual agreements I suppose or, or financial agreements you know with, with whether it's the local co-op banks or whatever you know and um, there are deadlines around the repayments of loans and credit and um, you know this, this this has caused huge difficulty for a number of farmers in that regard but I suppose, you know, it's a much bigger issue in this part of the country than probably others because 
Um, the number of farmers, I suppose, in North Leitham, and I, I, as you know, I've talked to a number of advisors here um, who work, you know, with the department, and they would tell me, you know, that, you know, in one instance, um, one advisor told me that something like 70% of his whole applicants, you know, were delayed in the scheme, and another one told me that something between 70 and 80% of his applicants for the scheme also uh, were being delayed their payment, and it's it's just not good enough. And you know, I think now that the the very least the minister can do at this stage is release the full payment rather than in advance. Joined now on the line by the head of firm support at IFAC, Philip O'Connor. First of all, Philip, you're welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me on. So, Philip, um, IFAC have published their. Their, their Irish, the IFAC Irish Farm Report for 2024, covering a range of topics really. Um, I suppose first of all, the the report is it something that that IFAC publish on a on an, on, a, on an annual basis. First of all, Philip, it is. We've been publishing it for six years now, um, and so this is our sixth publication, and, and and it's based on a survey we do at the very end of the year. So we did this survey at the end of November into December. So kind of a snapshot in time of where the farmers were thinking and feeling at that particular moment and then say we publish it then in early January. And if we look through this was the key the key findings of this report, um we start off with maybe I suppose looking at the the input costs, that's that's an ongoing issue we see. It is. It, it was the biggest concern last year and it's the biggest concern again this year. And none of us are surprised at that. I mean every sector is having issues issues with their input prices and their costs around the business. Um, like Ireland is an expensive country to run a business in and farmers are no different. So that that's a, that doesn't surprise me in the least. And I would guarantee you if you were talking to any business sector, they would that that stat would be the same, if you know what I mean. It is by far probably the biggest concern with any business out there, farming or non-farming, is the cost of doing business at the moment. And often that's something that probably wouldn't be as talked about as much is the the idea of succession planning and this I suppose still proves to be a, a major stumbling block as such for farmers. It is like succession planning is something we've been identifying and looking at for a number of years if you know what I mean and it's a very emotive topic on farming um, and I suppose we we looked at it and like, there, was, there was a high percentage of farmers, over half the farmers hadn't identified a successor which is a significant number and I suppose we kind of delved a little bit more into that then and we asked them why they, what is the biggest issues or concerns they're having around succession. And the biggest concern, again, was viability. So viability is, is, a, is a large issue on farming. And I suppose it comes into the, the adage that really applies to farmers is asset-rich cash flow. So you have this farm or this land bank. And if you think about it, the average farm is about 70 acres in this country. And if you, if you, if you equate the average land value of give or take 10 grand an acre, so you're talking about the average farm could be worth six, seven hundred thousand, which is a significant amount of money in, 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 in of evaluation. But the actual return a lot of farms are getting is quite small and quite poor. Like, um, so I suppose the issue comes down to is you have a, a parent and they want to give it to a, a son or daughter, and is there enough funds on the farm to to run two generations? And if you think about it, a lot of farms out there these days have three generations possibly on them. So viability does come to question on on the farm. And that kind of feeds back into the where we did some follow-ups around this about the, the number of farmers that have pensions. And, and in IFAC, like, we're always trying to speak to our farmers and look at succession, look at pensions. So 
So therefore, when you do get to that age of, and farmers don't ever really, there's no really set retirement here, but when the farmer does get to the age where they decide, you know what, I wouldn't mind stepping back a little bit, I have a son or daughter coming in, they'd love to get involved, that there is a pension in place, that they're not fully financially reliant on the farm for their income into their retirement. And I use retirement loosely, if you know what I mean, in the sense of, I suppose probably a better word is is stepping back a little bit because no farmer really truly retires, as you know well. And I suppose that's the, that is the, the main thing, the, the, an important thing for a farmer, a farmer to do is to, to, well, to, to, it relates to succession as well as to, to plan and to identify maybe that, you know, um, they may not be able to, to carry out the work as they, as they previously would, previously would have, and maybe find alternative arrangements. Yeah, I mean, you can never start succession too early. And succession is not something that has to be done in one big bang, as in regards, you, you talk about it today and you're, you're signing over your life assets tomorrow. By no means does it need anything like that. And I suppose it, 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 it's, we're strong in this in IFAC and talking to our clients and bringing them in and saying, look, so we, we'd have a farmer and he'd say, you'd ask him, look, your succession is something to talk about. And he'd go, oh yeah, I've talked about succession. I, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And then you'd follow up and go, have you, have you put anything in place? Have you spoke to your son or daughter? Have you spoke to your wife or your spouse or whatever? And they go, no. So there's a lot of farmers with, with a succession plan in their head, which not really a succession plan as such, if you know what I mean. So it's not that you, it needs to be enacted all in one go. It's about, it can be done in steps and so forth. Like, I mean, we would do a lot of work with our farmers on partnerships where the son or daughter comes home and they want to get involved, but... We don't want to, they're not ready to be handing over assets so forth, so we bring them into a partnership. And that's, an, an, it's, in other words, you can, you, can, you can work through a succession plan over a number of years. It could take 10, 15 years to work through the succession plan, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, so your son or daughter could be at home in their, their early 20s, and you'd work through the plan well into their 30s, if you know what I mean. So, but it's a plan. And it's, it's having an idea of where you want to go and what you want to do. And plans do change, but if you have no plan at all, you, you have no direction on what you're, and, and, and any direction of what you'd like to do. And by having a plan, you can then sit down with ourselves and we can look at the tax, taxes around that and how that would work. You can sit down and just listen and look at the eagle assessment. You can sit down with the rest of your family, if you know what I mean, as regards how that's going to work for them. So therefore, you can explore all the issues and the planning can evolve and you can work out the succession plan to the best advantage of everyone both parent and and uh, and child and climate change climate action and climate change seem to be a well it's it's been a top issue for a long time and it's it's still it's still rearing its head yeah i, I feel like i mean we we we, we did a will you be farming in five years time and the number has changed a lot over the last number of years and it was interesting where the numbers changed from so we, we were speaking just briefly off air there before we came on and we were saying that there's a lot of uncertainty in farming when we're doing this survey and I think this fed through a lot into this stat. So like a third of farmers on the stat said they were unsure if they'll be farming in five years' time. So when we ask that question, we ask yes, no, don't know. And the farmers that weren't going to be farming in five years' time, that stat's paid fairly consistent in low, low single digits. Five six percent, which is retirement and other issues. So, but the big number that jumped was the don't knows. So there was a high a high jump in don't knows or unsure, and a part of that probably feeds back into a little bit of uncertainty that's going on at the moment around pricing, input prices. There was a new cap that came out last year with the nitrate. So, I suppose it is important 
I suppose from I suppose the farm lobbying agencies, the government, the Department of Agri ourselves even an IFAC that we help farmers and try and bring a bit of stability back into that we do have a, a direction where we want to go to as an industry. Um because that I, I do feel that that's that that's where that's coming from. It's it's the unsureness of where we're going, how how these new schemes, how these new regulations are really going to feed into the farmers bottom line, if you know what I mean. And as the old adage goes, it's very hard to go green if you're in the red. So profitability is still key and making sure that the farm is viable, if you know what I mean. It goes back to the the, the biggest concern of farms around sustainability was viability. So, like, I mean, it, it, it does come back to making the farm profitable and viable. And I, I, I think every farmer does want to go on a sustainability journey, does want to do their bit for the farm and for the for the environment and so forth. But we do have to make sure that it works for the farmer as well, if you know what I mean. That, in other words, that it makes sense for him on the ground too. And Philip, if you were to give some advice to the farmers listening in, um, give some advice. I suppose. Look, we we went through like uh, we went through a bit of an uncertainty period, like with the high input prices last year and the output prices dropping. So, like an interesting stat that we we came across is one in three farmers are unsure if they've not working capital for next year. Um, I don't think for a second that the one in three farmers are going to go broke next year. But the fact that we're unsure fed into another stat that we had that one in four are not budgeting. So one in four are not monitoring their finances. So no wonder they're unsure of enough cash. So if I was giving them one piece of advice and something we do with our clients all the time in IFAC is bringing in farmers, looking at their finances early, looking at their figures saying, and stressing their figures. So, for example, we would we would sit down, we, we'd look at a farmer, right? So what's, what's your expenses over the next six months? What's your income going to be over the next six months or a year? And then we'd do a few what-if scenarios. So what if the spring ran late? and you to buy extra fodder, can the farm manage it? What if milk price dropped? What if milk price went up? So in other words, where the real strength when you look at your finances and budgeting is, it's when you start stressing them and start doing the what-if scenario. So, And therefore, that allows you to see in your financials where are the pinch points. So if one of those scenarios happen, you know, yeah, my farm can carry that, or you know, do you know what, now I need to top along to my bank and maybe I need to extend my overdraft a little bit or something like that. But you, you, you have a plan in your head that if these things happen, that you know how to react. Because the worst thing can happen from a financial point of view, I suppose that's what we are, financial, for, uh, professional financial services, is that the problem has happened and the first time you kind of really, you really address it is the bank rings you up or Arriva ring you up and saying, yeah, we cannot extend any more credit or the bank says, no, your old debt is maxed out. And that is not the time to address this. The time to address this before the problem has happened from a financial point of view. So yeah, so budgeting and looking at your figures into the, into the for the next twelve six to twelve months, I think is key. A new national SNAP survey by Agriland has shown a significant number of farmers across the country, and particular in the northwest, are facing a fodder shortage. Fodder such as silage, hay, and straw is needed by livestock farmers to ensure that cattle are fed during the winter months or during poor weather conditions when they are housed indoors. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line now at the moment by Francis MacDonald from Agriland. Francis, you're welcome to the programme. Thank you. So Francis, this survey, um, I suppose we can go through the figures first of all, but uh, but before we start that actually, before we go through the figures, um, the purpose of this survey, I suppose, was it to highlight the, the, the shortage that there, that is out there at the moment? Yes, our journalists are up and down the country every week talking to farmers and one key issue that we kept hearing was that there was huge concerns around fodder 
um, supply, the cost of getting bales, and really how that was impacting on day-to-day farming. So a third of the farmers who took part in our survey told us that they were facing a fodder shortage. And that's pretty much consistent right across the country. And um, We ran the survey just for a 24-hour period. It attracted 2,356 responses in total, which is quite a lot in a very short period of time. So it will just show you what kind of issue this is for farmers. And we asked them, you know, are you running short in fodder? Are you going to have to purchase more, purchase more fodder? And 769 farmers said they were running short on fodder. And seven, around 769 farmers said that they would have to buy fodder in. And now we ran this survey just around the second week of January before we've seen the storms that have come in recently and more wet weather and the impact that will be having on farmers. So I would imagine, you know, the situation is actually growing worse, not getting better in the last week. And that's a key issue for farmers now because a lot of it comes down to farmers not being able to afford to buy in more silage and more fodder at this time of the year. So a lot of concern there was one of the key issues that we were seeing. There's a very clear majority showing that they will have to buy fodder. So in in, in your areas where you're covering there and you're talking about, we're seeing farmers definitely saying to us, yes, we're seeing a shortage of fodder. We're going to have to source more fodder. You know, what they were saying to us, we need the weather to get better so that we can get livestock out in the grass. Now, in the last couple of weeks, that really hasn't been very helpful with the weather situation. You know, we may have had some animals out, but they've had to come back in again. They've had to be rehoused. That's putting pressure on dwindling silage and fodder stocks. And so, you know, we're looking at farmers now really hitting very high pressure points and, and wondering where will they turn to, really. That's about all we have time for this week on Ocean FM's Agri Week. Thanks to our guest, Christopher Tuffy, Councillor Park Fallon, Head of Farm Support at IFAC, Philip O'Connor, and Francis MacDonald of Agriland Media Group. Most importantly, thanks to you for listening. From myself, Rona Flanagan, it's Slán August Bannacht.